forget how I wanted to start this up. I thought I wanted to... Let me look at my notes real quick. I thought I wanted to touch on something in particular, but... Um, uh, no, I can't really think of anything. But, um, I'll touch on something particular. You know, they say... That's if they, dirty. If they put... Uh, if you were to clone yourself and you... Put, stuck you in a room with your clone only two things there's only two possible outcomes that you would either fuck yourself or fight yourself or both I think uh, me and my clone would be too weirded out by the other existing to really do anything I think things would get weird if I saw my clone I mean, I've gotten weirded out by people who just look too much like me. Mm. <laughs> that happens to me every once in a while. I'll look at someone and I'll be like, oh, is that down? No, that can't be jumper cables. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I thought you were going to say you, you'd like from time to time run into people that look like you. No, not really. Mm. Man. <laughs> That's a shame. The world could use more Michael Pangelinas. Yeah, but not ones that look like me. Not just people that look like me. <laughs> so many lupins. Yeah. You know, so, I never uh, see anybody and go, oh, that looks like Joe. That's never happened to me. Really? Just a black guy with glasses and a hat. That's pretty I've, much. I've seen guys with like a crazy beards that I mistook for Joe. Wait, wait. Um, What was the name of that? game documentary they had on um FN uh Steam Indie Game the movie? No, the one about fighting games. Oh, uh, uh, there's a whole bunch of them. Well, there was one on there and <laughs> one of the guys in the crowd looked just like you, Joe. That was me. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, Joe doesn't play fighting games unless he's been lying to me this whole time." Don't I? don't know what I do. Play Smash Brothers professionally. Damn near. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Old Taku Connection, where Lionel, Joe, and Mike talk about anime. It's week three of the big month of Lupin. I'm excited to tell you that we're talking about Green vs. Red, the 40th anniversary special OVA for Lupin, which ironically came out a year after the 40th anniversary proper. Not much else to say, so please enjoy. really hard to kind of piece together the order of events for certain things and makes trying to understand something with a maybe I don't know if it's convoluted but definitely kind of all over the place storyline even harder to follow especially when like 15 not even 15 like a god knows how many of your characters have the same voice actor and look identical to each other felt like they were trying to make this more complicated than it should have been. It just, uh, just like, yeah, it just were kind of really overdoing it and really trying to just pound into your head that Lupin is 
you know, it's just not an actual person. He's kind of just. Well, to that point, I was just going to say that I, I kind of, there's certain things that I appreciated about this. Um, and one was kind of, it was interesting that they, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Dark Knight Rises or Dark Knight trilogy, you know, where it's like, is he, is Batman the man or is he the symbol? So is Lupin the man or is he the idea of a perfect thief, you know? Mm. And it's, a, and really, you know, the perfect thief, they all lose their shit when they find out one of them got caught stealing from a jewelry store. Um, but I thought uh, the issues that they're talking about with, you know, his identity were interesting. And it was kind of, I appreciated that they took something from the fan lore. That might be the wrong way to say that, but, you know, something that the fans pick up on and and actually made it the subject of the movie. Like, I was thinking about that, and I think a good analogy would be, like, if they had, like, a, a movie where, uh, like, Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig both played Bond and fought each other or something. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was an interesting concept to do this with Lupin, and I appreciated that. Um, but like Joe was saying earlier, um, it was just too much to keep track of. Like, it, uh, there's too many. Like, it didn't didn't make sense, and it, it felt like they were trying to dig deep into, like, you know, give give him. I know some interest to his backstory, but at the same time, not like, I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to like, if like, I don't want to jump too far into the end, but like the way it ends, um, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, but I felt like they gave this green jacket character, uh, some kind of interesting backstory, but then it turns out like he's, he's not Lupin. I don't think. Yeah. That's the that's the same feeling that I got. I mean, at the very end, that yeah, he's not Lupin. The red jacket one is the real Lupin. But then after he falls off the building, he gets reborn. As I don't, I, just, I don't know what's a general consensus is that Yasuo, the um, green jacket, won the battle against a Lupin who may have been looking for someone to take his place and has effectively become Lupin. I guess that makes sense uh, because when he when the uh, with the red Lupin was saying that he was just basically testing him, I guess maybe that's kind of going along with, with what you're saying. But then didn't the the green Lupin at the very end, after he was talking with his grandpa and he was like saying he basically kind of wants to go with the family business and not really be Lupin anymore? So I guess the red Lupin. I think it that was that was his grandpa. That was his grandpa. Oh, oh my lord! A okay. different guy. Uh, I thought it was the one who said he wanted to work with his dad and go somewhere else. Yeah, that was what I immediately just thought now was that that was him, but that scene takes place before the the battle at Uh, the end because it seemed like the battle at the end uh, they they showed the battle at the end and then they like went back, yeah, backwards and, and they jumped forward again to after. Yeah, that I think that's that was a weird yeah. way to handle that. I don't know why they did it that way. 
That was strange. Yeah, well, well, some of it was to save the reveal of who won the battle to the very end. Um, what they had the battle, and then they yeah. went back in time, and then they went well, forward I mean, in time. I mean, yeah, well, no, no, I think all the jumping in time is so, like, the final moment of the movie is revealing who mm. won, and who now carries the moniker of Lupin. The uh, two indicators that it was Yasuo being the... Uh, him running his ha- hands through his hair, which is kind of like a move of his, and um, the fact that the uh, ring he had at the beginning of the movie is sitting in the car, kind of wrapped around the rear view mirror. Hmm. Uh, yeah. uh. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, see, that's the other thing is, you were talking, I was talking about this a little bit while you were uh, cut out for a second, but Another uh, just part of that is that watching these movies, like one things, a thought that I had was, and Joe picked up on as well is we like really not getting to know Fujiko, Jigen, or Gohan at all. And part of that, I think I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm kind of hoping that a lot of that stuff is handled in maybe the series. Um, and and so the point I'm trying to make is that. The stuff you're mentioning, like, uh, you know, the the thing he does with his hair is like, like this, especially with this movie, it feels like it's something that's made for, like, the hardcore Lupin fans that will pick up on that shit, and it will make sense to them. I think one of the things that felt weird about this film is that it felt kind of like two or three different films overlaid on each other. The ongoing battle between uh, Yasuo and Lupin felt like one movie. All this stuff involving the, in quotes, Ice Cube and Zenigata chasing after Lupin felt like another. And then all this stuff with the multiple Lupin, I don't know what you call them, clones, imposters, whatever, felt like movie number three. All trying to, like, not even run parallel with one another, but maybe, like, actively wrestling with each other for screen time. Mm. And sometimes it works, but mostly it just doesn't really come together. Yeah, it it got pretty chaotic with all... I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. When they started showing all those different Lupins come in, I was completely lost. I didn't know what was... I, tr- I was trying to figure out, are they clones? Are they people who just kind of dress up as him? Or, I mean, is there like a bigger thing here? Like, what's this whole ice cube? Is it connected to these clones? Are they... There was just all these... Yeah, there seemed like there were so many different things going yeah. on in this movie at once that it's just my brain was having a really hard time trying to parse what the hell was going on. Yeah, and I feel like this the type of I almost don't want to cuz whenever I watch a movie like this, I almost I don't want to fault the film. I it's the type of thing where I think maybe I need to watch it again, mm. you know, especially with this new information that Jump Kills has provided. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It it was weird. Like, cause there were so many Lupons and it was, it was hard to keep track, but then it was like, some of them have, I, I mean, I wasn't even sure who was dead and who was coming back when I was like, I didn't, I didn't understand why <laughs> the, the Lupon with the Afro, like he, and then he, why does he the robot and he's with the old man? 
Um, I think I can maybe try and clear up some of that. Um, there's a handful of Lupins who stand out uh, because they have different voice actors. Um, all of the Lupins that are supposed to be interchangeable from one another have the same voice actor as the actual Lupin. And uh, and the confusing bit there is that the actual Lupin has the normal voice too. Um, but I guess the the imposters are all played significantly goofier mm-hmm. than you know the actual Lupin. Um, but uh, one of the I guess noteworthy ones is let's call him Afro Lupin, and he's the one who got caught shoplifting. <laughs> I thought Yasuo got caught shoplifting. No, that wasn't Yasuo. Okay. But no. he had a ring at the beginning. Yeah, but he wasn't the one who got... Um, no, yeah, let me let me just say, Yasuo was not the one who got caught shoplifting. He's kind of doing other shit around this time, I think. Mm. Um, what else was I going to say? The guy that bails him out, I call him Scruffy Lupin, because by the end of it, he's got like some stubble mm-hmm. uh, and they kind of have that moment where they're doing the Cogliosto dr- driving to get away from the cops and that's one of my favorite scenes in this movie specifically when they're riding up the hill as the water seeps out the car and a fish jumps out so I, I guess I have a, a question for you Lionel is that um, sure. one thing that got me when I was <laughs> as the movie was going on I was trying in my head to figure things out and what I think kind of made it even more confusing for me is that when after the whole shoplifting incident happened, it mm-hmm. somehow triggered all the lupins across the entire world and they all came zooming to Tokyo. And I was like, oh, okay, so mm-hmm. so does that mean all these lupins are aware of each other? Or Because I, I thought in the beginning, at least trying to understand it, that they were just a bunch of guys just trying to... You know, just trying to be Lupin, but for, but then I started giving this vibe that they each have their own Fujiko, and they each kind of have like it just it just it was very strange yeah. because oh. as they were all being called together, it was as if they all kind of knew each other. And what made it a bit more even more confusing was there were plenty of scenes throughout the movie where they were all kind of talking with each other as if they kind of already knew each other, and it just it, may, can, can you like help me with that? I'm like yeah, I'm really puzzled. Um, so. The only, uh, and I feel like kind of like the the concept of all of these Lupins running around simultaneously doing all this stuff is meant to acknowledge and reflect the sheer number of like interpretations of the character, not just in regards to individual TV specials, movies, OVAs, but even just differences in the character in regards to series. Like, you'll have a certain number of episodes written by one guy versus another. You'll have tone shift and change over the course of a series, and there's been at least three series, maybe four at this point. But, um... In regards to the movie itself, I believe they're all meant to be imposters who kind of jumped at the chance to take on the role. And maybe at this point in the story, it's become kind of a, like a trend, like it's something to do. It's kind of like, a, I want to say this was the basis for the story in Wind Waker, where it's like kids reach a certain age and they're all like, okay, I'm going to go be Link now. Mm. Yeah, that uh, was that was kind of the story for that. Yeah, the hero yeah. of time. 
I don't think they all have a food. I think Jigen, Fujiko, and Goemon are unique entities within this world, and they just so happen to latch on to uh, Yasuo during Lupin's disappearance and have maybe ran around with some other ones. But but the thing I just like they're all. They all seem to kind of be in tune with the idea of Lupin as an entity, even though they do have some connection, some sentimental attachment to let's the original. I, I understand that part, but I guess the part that's still throwing me off is why was it that one shoplifting incident that triggered all of them to come to Tokyo? Made look bad. Oh, made him yeah. look bad. Okay, that's just so. That's, it's, yeah, okay. it's yeah. Hmm. I said it because because everyone like uh, kind of looks at him. Even though they they might be in the different a different part of the country, like you'll see like uh, one of the Lupins lying in bed with a woman, and she kind of like looks off to the side and says shoplifting, mm. and yeah. one another one's in the elevator, and two people start staring at him. Another one's in the host club, and the chicks he's with sort of lose interest um, because you know um, these guys are all saying they're Lupin, and as far as a lot of the people they're interacting with, no. That's the one Lupin. That's him. They're right there. And now the news is telling him that guy right there just got busted shoplifting <laughs> or was busted shoplifting at some point. But it seemed like when they all finally came to Tokyo, it was just there was that one scene where all the police and they were asking for backup because there were so many of them. Uh, yeah. And then it just kind of the movie just kind of shifted away from that. And I just kind of showed them next being all being arrested. It was like, what was the point of that? Like, I, that's the part I was kind of a little... Uh, yeah, I didn't quite understand God. why why that even that that whole that, that whole yeah, piece of that like, movie. Why was it even? Why did it even happen at all? It just seemed very strange. This, this is why I say it feels like uh, three different movies overlaid over one another. Like you could do a whole movie mm. about oh. that, about all these different Lupins running around and then kind of colliding, clashing, and maybe finding out one among them is the real deal. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the, that whole part just kind of is to introduce, like, oomph into the final confrontation. Because, you know, yeah. it, it's, it These ends two up... survived this yeah, purging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's the real Lupin versus this other kid, and whoever survives is going to carry on the title of, of Lupin and it's something and it's something that everybody wants you know ah, okay that makes sense it's looking a big it. deal yeah looking yeah. at it from that way that makes a lot of sense then but um yeah. I guess uh going back to what you're saying Lionel about the this kind of feeling like lots of different kinds of movies in kind of overlapping on each other that I really got that feeling with the kid the Leon kid which his whole backstory kind of came and went extremely fast about his father putting his brain in his son or something oh and god just, yeah that, so, let's, oh, let's, yeah. let's stop what? with that for a second that's fucking grimy yeah but that is, <laughs> why was god. that in the movie yeah that was weird it, it came and went so fast like what, what was even the point yeah and, and that's the thing too is I feel like that's kind of like a motivation and that 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 guy alone seems like he should be the villain of a Lupin like a, maybe not even necessarily a movie but like a TV special or something I thought he was the villain of the movie it seemed yeah. like it <laughs> like they could have like there's enough going on there yeah With between that. that like stupid ass ambition the fact that he's created synthetic plutonium and that he's in the body of a child it's like 
you get you get intrigue you get like weight to the character backstory and then you get like a weird anime plot twist in that he's got a child's body yeah and that's yeah and it's a missile to the face and that's it (laughs) they clearly pulled the first american they could find into the sound booth (laughs) it was oh yeah the acting was so it was so bad the acting was so bad I, i like the guy's voice yeah. But um, yeah. he was the pronunciation is weird. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you could definitely do. Also... Also he says flat out, mistake is not an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I know they're all supposed to be different Lupons, but I that was interesting that early on there's on the screen it says his national Lupon's nationality is unknown. And then he starts talking to this guy in English with a very heavy Japanese accent. Mm-hmm. Hi, Rogan. <laughs> yeah, it's oh man, but yeah, there were all there were just so many pieces in this movie that just I think you're right, Lionel. That really could have been their own movie. I mean, the whole thing with Leon that was a movie right there. I mean, that was mm-hmm. what I thought the movie was going to be, and then out of nowhere, the airplane explodes, and then the, and then the kid explodes pretty much, and mm-hmm. then that's it, and then suddenly everything shifts to this whole battle of the lupins and it's just oh it's it's all these conflicting things it's weird yeah, yeah. but the thing is it's like i think they're all fun hmm. like they're all i kind of like i guess maybe somewhere there's an ideal version of this movie that either puts things together or excises them or just is three different movies yeah. but i enjoyed them all speaking of a lot of fun it's interesting that Zenigata is usually a lot of fun, and in this, he's he's a little more he's like really serious. Mm. But I actually kind of like that. I felt like we yeah. got to know him, and he actually he outright stated, "I really like that he is a different Zenigata." Because I mean, I, you get the sense in the other ones, he's yeah, I don't know, like he's just he's crazy, and he has to catch Lupin because it's a pride thing. But here, I like that he actually states it's not like pride or like or anything like that i just think it's the right thing to do because he's a criminal yeah yeah i mean i I love zenigata in this there's there's kind of a a reason for this betrayal of him but um i really like zenigata here he's just such a fucking badass man of the law in this movie like i think my favorite scene is with him is when he's like staring down those army guys and explains to the reporters yeah they're not here to protect you (laughs) Mm. Yeah, what what I also enjoyed him quite a lot in this movie because it really felt like he had a mission. Like you, you knew, mm-hmm. like this is what he has to do, and it just it needs to be done. It just it felt he felt so focused, and his character just seemed way more interesting and intense versus the yeah. super goofy, you know, popping out of everything, kind of grabbing you, running away. Boopon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. Though, though you get a tiny bit of that at the end, with that weird switch Which, to the cartoon. Yeah, where, where yeah, he, he starts. Well, no, I mean after um, uh, real Lupin escapes the ambulance, and you'll see he, he's he like smiles briefly, and he looks super cartoony. Yeah. And it's like, okay, maybe he is. Maybe he does still enjoy the chase. <laughs> yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. But, um, the unfortunate, well, I don't, I haven't completely confirmed this information about this movie is surprisingly scarce. But um, the impression I got, based on what I did look into, is that this uh, um, 
depiction of Zenigata was to um, sort of uh, uh, allow a bit of ease on his uh, voice actor, Goro Naya, because uh, his uh, health was failing at the time. I think he mm-hmm. actually had throat cancer mm-hmm. and died sometime after this movie. Mm. That's interesting. Because I was thinking about that because it immediately, like, I didn't have a choice. I had to watch the sub, which was fine, but I was thinking about how the American voice actor would have read Zenigata, and I, it was kind of a square peg in a round hole. I couldn't really picture him being that kind of laid back, but uh, I wouldn't like to hear that. Is there a dub of this? No, unfortunately. Um, it was a sub only, I think. Uh, like Discotech Media licensed this in the states, but they just took the sub, and I think they were just taking whatever Lupin properties they could get as is, as a means of kind of like piecing together a decent amount of it. Like uh, whether it's just the amounts of it they got released out here, or things that were new and coming out, or just stuff that mm. interested them. But I think uh, money yeah. was kind of a factor. Yeah, I thought it could have been cool if they had like an American version or a dub with like the different voice actors, like get David Hayter to voice like Yasuo or something, and the regular <laughs> dude to be Red. Yeah, but like you yeah, just get as many of the guys who voiced Lupin as possible to come back. Yeah. That would have been a lot of fun, but like actually on that topic, something that stood out to me is the scene where all the Lupins are admonishing uh, Afro Lupin for getting caught, and um, you see one of them off to the side uh, spray paint Lupin the Third on the wall. Yeah, and I think the joke there is he spelled it wrong. He said Rupon based on how his name is pronounced in Japan. But the joke kind of has extra meaning when you uh, consider worldwide releases and the sheer number of names Lupin has gone under to uh, work around the fact that uh, Monkey Punch didn't get permission from Maurice LeBlanc's estate to create Lupin the Third who is the fictional grandson of uh, Arsene Lupin, the original that LeBlanc made. I made, um, they, I talked about this in the Castle of Cogliostro episode, but yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny, because I think in one of the releases he is actually called Rupin. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Lots of weird moments like that. Another weird moment for me. <laughs> that I didn't really pick up on until I rewatched it recently is that scene where Jigen's uh, fixing the toy gun for that kid and talking about how much he likes Magnums. And then he says, I've been using one for over 40 years, and I'm looking at Jigen, and I'm like, you you don't even exist past 40 years. You look 36 or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Jigen, the, I think the the scene that made the movie for me was the whole helicopter uh, scene oh, where the helicopter the midair helicopter fight. Yeah, when he was and somehow Jigen ended up just falling down with like two guns firing up at the the helicopter, which I guess he hit it just right and the helicopter exploded. Oh yeah, and then he went flying into the the building and still managed to survive that. But it's that whole scene. That was a that was a pretty epic scene right there. I mean, just the fact that he was banging on the wait, he fired his gun at the glass, 
it broke it and then yeah just that whole scene was just so ridiculous but it was mm-hmm. it was fun to watch but it, it was fun and awesome and like um i was thinking about that during the fight like uh, i want to say jegan's depiction across multiple medias are pretty consistent um but one of the things that stands out to me is whether or you can normally you can more or less tell whether or not him and Goemon are going to fight at some point. Uh, if they kind of portray Jigen as a bit more human in his uh, limitations, then, you know, he'll, like, try and shoot something and miss a couple times, like in Cogliostro, then they're more focused on him as Lupin's partner. But when he's doing feats as crazy as Goemon cutting a circle into a wall with three diagonal slashes... Um, one that happens in Fujiko Mine is where he, <laughs> like, cleans the cherry bits off of a pit by shooting it, which is to say he shoots the cherry off of the pit inside. Mm-hmm. Like, anytime you see him doing stuff like that, you can count on the two of them uh, fighting at some point or another. And it felt kind of like that's the kind of Jigen we were getting, with, mm. you know, him basically taking out a, me- a helicopter midair. There was one line that Jigen, I, I think it was Jigen that said it when they were talking, it was, it was when they're on the, on the bridge, I think. And it, the, the green Lupin was in the car and the red one was outside. And I think like Jigen was saying that they pretty much like, he doesn't really care if it's the fake Lupin or not, as long as it's just fun to, to hang out with them or something. And it's just that, that one line kind of made yeah. me wonder about those two characters. Like it's just, so they're just pretty much following they just pretty much follow no matter – there's something about that line that's just kind of like, all right, these guys, they're just uh, – What the hell do they do? Where do they come from? Do yeah. we ever well, learn well, their backstory? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, well, that's the thing. Um, I want to say at this point there are three instances of, I guess, origin stories for them. Um, the original Green Jacket series kind of like uh, starts out, I want to say it starts out with Lupin meeting Jigen and then Goemon and Fujiko. Um, and there's kind of an origin story there. There was another uh, OVA released for an anniversary, much like this one, called uh, Episode Zero, which is meant to be another origin story that has... Um, Jigen working as kind of like a bodyguard for, I want to say, the villain of the movie and developing a rivalry with Lupin, culminating in them becoming friends. And uh, Fujiko Mine does a similar thing where Lupin and Jigen join up after doing separate stuff, both regarding Fujiko. And um, the, the sort of basic idea is that Jigen is working as like a bodyguard in the States and he's kind of the best there is but it's the fact that he can never rest he always has to be on edge doing this is kind of wearing at him and he's just trying to find a better life and ends up latching on the loop and due to just the the freedom he has and the freedom in the sort of adventure that comes with following him uh, hmm. and it's not just following him he's on the same level of capacity as Lupin, which is, and that makes them ideal partners. They kind of like fill the gaps the other can't do on their own. How um, far do we like, as far as like 
their own personal stories before they met each other? How do we ever get into that kind of stuff? Um, they're usually not a whole lot in the case of Jigen, though. That's there's meant to be that air of mystery to him. I want to say he's very much supposed to be like the Western gunslinger archetype in a more modern age. Mm. Um, I think uh, uh, in maybe the Green Jacket, maybe the original Green Jacket series, there was um, Goemon always starts out wanting to kill Lupin. Like he's out to assassinate him for some reason or another. And I want to say in the case of the Green Jacket series, the idea is that they're families developed a rivalry at some point because uh goemon's full name is a uh, goemon ishikawa the 13th i believe and he's actually named after i'm not sure if it's a fictional thief but i think like goemon is an actual japanese character i don't know if he's based on a real guy or not you know <laughs> lionel just you telling us the two stories behind the side characters their stories are a billion times better than lupins i mean at least to me that's what it's sounding like it's just you guys you guys are just burnt out on lupin because i've had you watch no no i mean just lupin at least just from what i've seen in these movies what i get for him from him so far he's a thief that's it Mm -hmm. he's a thief that's either that has that has has like you know based on the red the, the red and green like he has these two kind of different types of personalities but really he's just a thief that's pretty much it but these other characters they have way more interesting stories and it would have been cool if we could have like if there was a movie that explored their stories in depth and just kind of Lupin tagging along i know it's his movies but it just would have been interesting to kind of dive more into them it's funny you say that and we'll we'll there's there's plenty of Lupin out there so we'll come back to it but um the two things that jump to mind like that are a woman called Fujiko Mine, where all of the uh, Lupin characters appear, but they appear appear as side characters to Fujiko's story. And there was an anime that kind of spun off of that, which I don't know if it's connected, but at the very least it had the same art style called um, Jigen Daisuke's Gravestone, which is you know a Lupin movie, but it's more about Jigen than Lupin. Hmm. So maybe those will be things for us to uh, check out. Yeah. Uh, there's also, like I said, three different origin stories, which we can also go over. Might be worth checking out. Um, I felt like... The one, okay, let me see. What, do I, what did I want to touch on? Um, let's see. We already talked about... Weird stuff in regards to the movie. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, this. <laughs> Joe said my feelings too. It's just like. It's like the movie wanted to give some depth to Lupin, but they ended up giving it to some other guy who wasn't Lupin, but then became Lupin. Well, that's the whole point is that he became Lupin. The idea is that you can become Lupin. That anyone <laughs> can let me okay, so in, in my in my researching this I came across because again, uh I like like hard information in regards to the actual cast, crew, the making of the movie, whatever, is oddly scarce. It's like uh certain entities want to forget this movie existed. But I did come across an interesting article that kind of summed up 
both my feelings and I think the idea behind the movie. Um, it was on a blog called MsDucky.com, and um, <laughs> it's interesting. The uh, person reading the article admits to being over 50 and just really psyched about the movie. But um, two sort of quotes from that article that uh, stood out to me uh, are, and I quote, As the film plays out, it's shown that a large part of becoming Lupin involves simply daring to believe that one is Lupin. and uh, the second quote makes more sense of that the concept of total faith in oneself is being the key to this wild freedom this this is what has hooked me on the character of Lupin it speaks to those aspects of my life where I find myself defying convention and you know she goes on to talk about instances where she kind of went against the grain on things in regards to her life and how this movie kind of inspired her to go even further with that. Um, it's kind of what stood out to me when I first saw this movie. Um, it was the, what I kind of picked up from it when I first watched it was the definite feeling of escapism, like just wanting to become something else, something yeah. maybe greater. And right. I felt a lot of that in Yasuo, especially in that opening scene. Uh, where he's just kind of listlessly looking into the water. You know, it's it's that is interesting to bring up because, and it's weird going back to the Dark Knight again. But it's mm-hmm. like Lupin is a force of nature, like the Joker. Like he just is. I think that's maybe what me and Joe are trying to like wrap our heads around. Is like he he just kind of is. He's just himself, and he. And like even in uh, was it was it Castle of Cagliostro? Like we jump back, you know, ten years, and what is he? He's just he's Lupin. He's always been Lupin. He's always just been a thief. But um, you're right. There is something kind of endearing about, um, especially this story. Like you were mentioning how you know the person who wrote that article related to it. And for myself, like I've, I've talked to you guys, I think about, uh, one of my favorite skateboarders, Mark Gonzalez. And I, and I actually, I've thought about him a lot because he is very much a force of nature. He does things purely on instinct and it's led him to like pioneer a lot of things in the skateboard world and like in the art world. And he's become very successful just by being himself and like, Watching him, like growing up, watching him has kind of made me strive to be a little more instinctual sometimes, and trust myself, and just be a force of nature. Not too much because you don't want to be. Um, it's because I do think there's actually something. Not that it's bad, but something wrong with the gods. Like I think he might have Asperger's or something. But that was something I saw in in this in this film with like Yasuo. It's like he he is seeing himself as you get the sense that he's he does want something more for himself. But doesn't feel like he can, and I guess that that was the point of that scene with him and his grandmother at the end, where he's like, I'm not sure that I can do this. You know, I can go all in and be be this maniac. Um, so yeah. I, I, so there's so there something kind of 
it's weird that he's a thief, but it's he he's in, inspires people to he, he's free. He be free. Like that's something you can say about Lupin is he lives a free lifestyle, uh, mostly harmless. But like he doesn't let conventions or fear of what other people are going to think about him get in his way, um, unless people are going to think he's not a good thief. So. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. You latched onto a couple of interesting things in there, both the idea of Lupin being this uh, completely free spirit and um, Yasuo in regards to maybe attempting to be Lupin, kind of reaching for something he sees in himself, wanting more. It's it's inspiring, I guess, is the uh, Cliff Notes version of what I was going to try to say with way too many words and not enough direction. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It, <laughs> I, I guess now that you guys, like Lionel, after you read that article, you know about about her, kind of seeing something in Lupin that kind of really spoke to her. And what I mean, I didn't get that at all. To me, it's just Lupin, just some crazy guy who likes to steal things. But uh, I, I can see how mm-hmm. you know he kind of represents the whole freedom thing and just, but. I don't know. It just feels like <laughs> I remember we're trying to pull at something more than it's really here. It, it just it almost feels yeah. like with this, with this movie they were trying to force some sort of actual character into him when in reality he's just really some guy who steals things. It's not. Well, what you just said, Joe, was kind of um, I feel like almost the point that they were making. Like it, you couldn't tell if they were giving Lupin some backstory, but the end of, at the end of the day, mm. they weren't giving him backstory. They, but then they did. You know, <laughs> if you think that Yasuo becomes Lupin at the end, so they, it's a weird snake that eats itself. Like mm. they they didn't give Lupin backstory, but they gave this other person who became Lupin a backstory and. By doing that, they gave Lupin a backstory. <laughs> well, yeah, it's yeah. Well, it's kind of a, a, a tricky thing with these characters because they're meant to be. They're meant. I don't know. If static is the right word, but they're meant to be kind of open and have this uh, air of mystery. It helps to make them uh, timeless characters. Is the point I'm trying? To yeah. Make. And I mean, I mean, think of it. Let's let's uh, apply it to another character. Think about Spike. As much as a lot of us probably would like to see some of his backstory prior to Bebop, how much of that would you really want, knowing that it could potentially ruin the character for you? Hmm. I, I mean, that's like the I think there are some. Spectrum. Yeah, I think there are some characters that are better served with that air of mystery intact. See, see, that's I can't. I can't say much because I haven't watched Bebop, so I, I can't really say much to that. But I know, for at least personally for me, when it comes to Lupin, it seems like in this movie and in all the other movies too, they keep. To me, I almost find it frustrating because they keep hinting and like trying to trying to let you be aware that yes, there is something here. There, he does. He did come from somewhere, but then later on they say no, he did not come from somewhere. He's just this thing. And it's just, they keep going back and forth. And it's like, guys... That's the reason why I kind of appreciate this movie more than the others. Um, I think it's my favorite, just because it's so like strange and experimental. And it just, mm. 
it it took I, you can tell it took a lot of like lore to get to this point. It's almost like it feels like it almost feels like a Metal Gear game. <laughs> by, by the time you get to the, the last few games where they're just like making commentary on the other games, and it's like what? But I, I don't know. It was I forget what I was trying to say, but yeah. I don't know. Something about it's. I'm, yeah. Brain fart city. Yeah, it's just like Lupin. <laughs> I'm not sure if I like Lupin anymore. I oh mean, God! <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Well, it's just well, it's because because I mean, when I was younger, I was like, oh, it's a fun show that I was on sometimes. But like now, like getting into it, it's like Lupin is he's there's nothing to him. <laughs> but this that but that's kind of why I like this movie is that it explores that kind of purity of him just being one thing and kind of complicates it by adding other people into the equation who, who see that and want that. But I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's, but it is like, the reason we're saying this is because we, we're three, <laughs> we're three movies deep and we don't know anything about Lupin. <laughs> and then he steals and he, he wants to fuck. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, out of all the movies we watched, I definitely like this one the most because the I really like the look. I like the look a lot compared to the other movies. And the music was nice. I like the opening. I definitely mm-hmm. really do appreciate kind of like what Mike was saying out there, that they're trying to they're trying to make something happen here yeah. uh, throughout this movie. I love that. It's, it is it, cool. It's, it's a commentary on what Lupin is. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, same here. It's great. It's um but uh yeah, I'm I'm not really sure how I feel about Lupin anymore either. I'm just he's <sighs> he's a guy. Okay. Yeah. Um anything you guys wanna say to close this up? Uh Joe. Uh the opening music was great. I guess it's, it's not to say that I, I don't like Lupin. It's just like, or that I do. It's just like, I want more. Like, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for something to break where they give me more. And they yeah. kind of, and this is, and it, again, bringing it back to Metal Gear, it's like, going into this, it's like, they gave me more, but not really in the way that I was asking for. Uh, um, but yeah Lionel I think after seeing this movie it was a bit of a mind fuck for me Uh, but I kind of do still even though I'm not really a huge fan of Lupin the character I kind of do want to just just like just want to search out like Wikipedia or something just to find more about him just to or just the characters I just it's so frustrating for me that I want to know more about these characters because there's because I'm getting so little uh, from all the movies that we've watched. I, I just I just want to know yeah. what the what am I missing here? 
Yeah, it's like another frustrating thing is that we got to know, so we got to know. I feel like we got to know two people in this movie, and that's Yasuo and Senigata. And I really appreciated what they did with Senigata. Um, but with Yasuo, I feel like it almost doesn't matter because even if uh, you know, in further adventures of Wupon post this movie. They're probably. I feel like they won't address that it's Yasuo at all, and he'll just be Lupin. Mm. Um, and also, I feel like uh, they probably won't go well, back. Go it, back to Zenigata being this way either. Well, that you know, that'll just vary depending on who writes it. And um, well, no, the the thing is, is that the, across the movies, there isn't really a canon. Mm. Um, even if they do kind of reference um, elements that may have appeared in other movies, it's more maybe like a nod to the film, but not necessarily not necessarily saying this movie is connected to this, sort of like the Bond films, where like, unless they outright tell you they're connected, they're not. Yeah, connected. yeah, but it's interesting. The Bond films are are all connected which is strange because of the timelines but um they do divide at a certain point but but yeah it feels like there's so much loop on that would be really hard to draw lines yeah yeah it's something people do for fun but just sort of like it's their own personal canon yeah it almost seems like a better comparison would be final fantasy yeah maybe yeah well Kinda. It's not as anthology as Final Fantasy. Well, all those um, games are independent from out uh, of each other. I mean, they have cameos, but those characters are not the same. Yeah, so maybe it is closer to that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do something different in regards to recommendations rather than trying to recommend movies that are similar to this. Uh, let me just uh, give you guys all the potential backstories, which are <laughs> found in the Green Jacket series, episodes one through blah blah uh, Again, episode zero, which is its own self-contained thing, and the woman called Fujiko Mine. Um, yeah. Uh, any last words for the audience? Mm-hmm. Good old Lupin. Nope, I'm good. This was um, this is a mindfuck, and there's a lot going on. So, I I kind of talking it through. I I under the thing that when I finished watching this, I was like, what, 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 why, what? With his grandma, like, why did his grandma just suddenly show up at the end? I, I. I I understand it now, but it's like, I guess tech, like, technique wise, it's a little strange to just suddenly bring the grandma in. Yeah, that was out of nowhere. It, was she? She wasn't speaking, but there was text. Was she? Yeah, she was dying. Um, there's a shot at one point of a phone attached to her bed. I think the implication there is that there's some kind of like text to voice thing or maybe uh-huh. they're actually reading text on the phone or something yeah because it threw me off because after that whole conversation he then spoke after that so i was like what, what yeah what? 
Did she show up earlier, or was he, like, talking to um, her? She's referenced a couple times. It's not actually his grandmother, but his girlfriend's grandmother. Oh. Um, the scene in the beginning is meant to implicate that Yasuo comes from a group home. Huh. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, is it? It's only an hour and twenty minutes, but it did move really fast. And sometimes yeah, there's there was, a lot packed in there. Yeah, sometimes there were subs, and sometimes there were translations for text that was on the screen as well as the subs. So it was a little hard to keep going back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, other than that, all I got to say is I'm very interested to see where we go from here. <laughs> Yeah. When was this made? 2008. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I guess that explains the updated or, art, art style. Or 2006. I'm not sure if I'm mixing dates up. Uh, I'll have it in the description. Wupon month. One more to go. What will it be? Fujiko. We'll see. Hmm. Good night, people. soundcloud.com slash submorphine sub hyphen The promo theme is Anime Raku and it's done by Squareon S-Q-U-A-R-I-O-N Squareon's on facebook.com slash Squareon and Squareon's project Project Stick is on facebook.com slash Project Stick Joe's show is NAGP Resurrection, NAGP again, and it's on our website, and SoundCloud, and iTunes, Android, and Mike's show is that too, it's Hyper90SideGuys Breakdown, um, they're on Twitter, Mike is at Hyper90s, I'll spell out. Shows at NHEB Returns. I'm at Old Taku Connect. Next episode is Fuchiko Mine. I'm going to bed.